back them dark and dusty drapes Let in some light Help Bill Boy come and get my trunk Cause I'm leaving here Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Meryl Streep in the Movies with Zachary Scott Johnson and Meryl McNally. I'm Zachary Scott Johnson. If you listened to our most recent episode, which was a tribute to the wonderful Diane Keaton, you heard us mention that we had arranged to interview the legendary Leslie Ann Warren, an amazing Academy Award Golden Globe Emmy nominee, an extraordinary artist who's given so many fantastic performances and so many different things. We'd arranged to interview her for that episode, which we did. That interview was so long-ranging, so interesting, that we decided to give it its own episode, and that's what this is. This is our interview with the great Leslie Ann Warren. Meryl and I have a short discussion before the interview, and then we dive into the interview with her. As always, I invite you to check out my YouTube project, The Song A Day Project. It's all one word squished together, The Song A Day Project. It celebrated its five-year anniversary yesterday. I've been doing a song a day every day for five years, so I encourage you to check it out. Please visit Meryl's Theater Company, which is NeverlandTheaterCompany.com. As always, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We're nearing 100 reviews for this podcast on iTunes, so help push us over the edge. We really do appreciate all the kind reviews that have come in so far. We're ready to start the show. Give that clerk a dime, and you can just tell him that Okay, everybody, welcome back to uh, another episode of Meryl Streep and the Movies. We're coming at you real fast this time. We're kind of thinking of this as part two of the Diane Keaton tribute episode, but we are recording it on another day, so I'm going to ask, how are you, Meryl McNally? I'm good. How are you, Zach? I'm good. So, I kind of made reference in the uh, intro to the last episode uh, the Diane Keaton episode that we had the pleasure of speaking to the great Leslie Ann Warren about halfway through that conversation. And uh, you came up with the idea, Meryl, that we should give it its own episode, which I thought was a great idea. Yeah, you know, in our conversation, in our conversation with Leslie, we were talking about, you know, the number of roles available for, for actresses in that age group. And then you know, it's very difficult for, for actresses who are not in sort of the elite group that Meryl Streep is in. And some of them have really um, fantastic, long, and, and storied careers, Leslie Ann Warren being one of them. And um, and so I, I really wanted to take some time to put the spotlight on her because she's magnificent, and, um, and it made sense with, with our podcast. Yeah. So... I'm with you. Yeah. I um we will put the interview after a few minutes of us talking here, we'll put the interview with her up. Um it was interesting on that topic. That is kind of where we ended up spending a lot of, of time chatting was about that subject and it's one of the f- 
probably the only time that um, there was a, a moment of kind of interesting, I don't think it was disagreement necessarily, but she, she kind of corrected me when I said that I felt like things were getting better. And uh, she, she kind of went, no, 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 no. Um, and, yeah. and said, you know, it's, it's getting better basically for, uh, I think this is kind of what you were saying too, to a, for a certain percentage of people. But from her perspective, it's kind of the same people getting the same scripts over and over again. And uh, I, didn't yeah. want, I didn't want to ask her directly if she considered Meryl in that category, but I would imagine that she does. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. So... I would assume so. And I'm sure it's not resentment towards Meryl Streep, of course, because, you know, she, she also had kind no. things to say about Meryl Streep, but it is that sort of thing. It's it's not Meryl's fault. It's the people who aren't writing other material. You know, I mean, the, it's the lack of overall material. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't get that impression at all, that, that she's um, resentful of it. It's just sort of a, a fact of the business. And she has, um, I was very... I was very impressed with um, her uh, just general approach to it. You'll hear you'll hear in the interview for sure. I'll let everybody listen and decide for themselves. But um, she's a she's a very classy lady. Yeah, and very articulate, which is no surprise. Very. But um, yeah, so um, it was it was really fun to talk to her. We got to talk um, really about quite a few of her bigger projects. We didn't reference a few of them. I don't know if we even referenced Clue once, which is maybe... No. Which is maybe my biggest favorite of hers. We didn't talk about Clue. Huh? Right, and then we didn't talk about Victor Victoria at all, which is my favorite. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sweet. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to, you know, do a, um, a, a segment on her as well, where we talk about those films, because they are so iconic. Yeah, absolutely. So, was Cinderella the first thing you remember seeing her in? No, actually. I think the first thing I remember seeing her in is Victor Victoria. Oh, really? Okay. And, um, yeah, I think the film is 85. It's from the 80s. I saw it when I was pretty young. It's one of my my mom's favorites. And then I think it was after that that my mom got me uh, Cinderella on VHS. Oh, okay. And... um, and I, I remember loving it, but I've just, <laughs> I have always associated with uh, her with Victor Victoria because she is so, so funny in that film. Yeah, she's great. Um, she got an Oscar nomination for that movie, a uh, well-deserved Oscar yeah. nomination for that movie. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's a huge, huge movie in her canon. Yeah, that movie came out in 1982, the same year I was born. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and and for those of you who aren't super familiar with her, she she um, she she trained as a ballerina and had her Broadway debut in um, One Ten in the Shade, and then in 1965 got cast in Rodgers and Hammerstein's television televised um, Cinderella. And sort of became a household name. And right after that, she contracted with Disney and did um, The Happiest Millionaire and I think one other film. And then she kind of branched off from there. And her filmography is very varied. And after talking to her, she uh, does see herself as a character actress, which is um, definitely reflected in her in her work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the Cinderella... Okay, so I put when... 
when we found out that we were going to be able to talk to Leslie Amor, and I put something up on my personal Facebook, not not the professional one, but my personal one, just saying, you know, we were going to talk to her and right. ask people what their favorite performances of hers. And it was a really, it was really varied. You know, there were votes for Victor Victoria. There were votes for um, Clue, of course. But Cinderella was far and away. Oh, Will and Grace, mm-hmm. uh, her, her perform, you know, she guest starred on Will and Grace a lot. She also was on a show yeah. called In Plain Sight. Um, which actually I've been meaning to check out for the longest time. So this is a good incentive for me to finally check it out. She was on... A... I'm pretty certain that filmed here. Oh, really? In New Mexico? Yeah, I think it filmed, yeah, I think it filmed in Albuquerque. I'm not positive about that. I'll have to look, but I, I, I think so. Well, um, I saw the, uh, the wonderful actress who plays the lead in that show, Mary McCormick, um, in... Yeah in a Broadway show one time uh, it's actually it was in Boeing Boeing which was the same show that Mark oh, Rylance yeah. Mark Rylance and Christine Baranski and Bradley Whitford and Catherine Hahn and I mean it was just an amazing cast and an amazing wow. show but for me outside of Mark Rylance who gave just like the most amazing performance in the entire world I mean it was uh, otherworldly um she yeah. If, if anyone has a chance to see him in live theater, you should. I've seen him twice. It's transcendent. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But Mary McCormick was the other one who kind of stole the show. Um, she really was strong. So she's she, anyway. The reason I'm saying all this is she's the lead in that show, In Plain Sight. And so ever since I saw her in that show, I've been kind of keeping tabs on her career. And In Plain Sight seemed like a really interesting show. So the fact that Leslie Ann Warren is also on it, too, and on quite a bit. She's in a number of episodes. Um, She was... Right. I'm looking it up here to see how many that she's in. Um, I don't know if it will tell me or not. But um, anyway, she's on a lot of that show. So I'm curious to check that one out, too. But uh, we kind of got off track. But I was saying that so many different people were talking about you know, different projects of hers that they were fans of. I mean, this got a lot of responses. And what people were saying about Cinderella was really beautiful because, I mean, that came out in the late 60s and it was on TV, like you said. But they re-ran it, Mm -hmm. you know, every year for 20-some years. I don't think they show it anymore, but for a long time they did. It was like, you know, one of those Christmas Thanksgiving movies that people watched every year. Oh, yeah. And people from from that generation, their attachment to that specific performance, that specific movie, is it goes on. I mean, still to this day. Yeah, but, you know what amazes me is that it wasn't the first televised um, version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Right. I was actually talking to I was talking to my mom about this. I think it was in '57 they did it with Julie Andrews. Right. And, and, you know, Julie, Julie Andrews is obviously iconic in her own right. I, I mean, wow. But that's not the one that's remembered. And um, I think that's what I find so interesting. It may have been, it may have been, I think it was in color, right? The one with Leslie Ann Warren? Yes. Yeah, I think that probably made a difference. But more than anything, there's something about her performance. There's um, something so charming and innocent and sweet and... I don't know. Yeah, it really it really sticks with people. Yeah. Also, Ginger Rogers as the queen. Come on. I mean, like, how exciting. Yeah. Although, you know, I think that was actually before... Was that before her career was so iconic? No, she had already... I mean, she had already made all of her films with, with Fred Astaire and... 
Yeah, I suppose. Um, that was all in the 40s and 50s, yeah. So she was, yeah, she was a little bit older by then, and, and uh, yeah, she had been a contract actor in Hollywood for, for 20 years. It's funny, I'm looking at the, the cover of it right now, the Cinderella, and yes. Les, Leslie Ann Warren is the fourth build person in Cinderella. She played Cinderella in Cinderella, so and she's the fourth build person behind Ginger Rogers, Walter Pigeon, and Celeste Holm, which, if you're going to be fourth build, those are three great ones to be behind, but still, it's kind of funny. I, I really wish I had had an opportunity to ask her about Celeste Holm, because I've read, I've read so much about Celeste Holm, she's seen... And, and interviews with her, she seems like a really um, uh, joyous person to work with. Is the is the general idea I get? I wish I, I had asked Leslie about her. Yeah. Well, maybe sometime we can have her back. Who knows? I know. I hope so. Um, I hope so. She was really lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else? What else pops out to you? Like you said, she did a couple of Disney movies after that. Um, and actually, I heard an, inter- an interview with her where she mentioned that one of the ones, I can't remember which one it is, but she was basically under contract with Disney for, for a period okay. of time. And she would go back and forth between, you know, filming those movies in Los Angeles and then she would go do theater in New York. She would kind of bounce back and forth between those two. And one of the Disney movies that she did was the last movie that Walt Disney himself actually ever worked on. Oh, was it The Happiest Millionaire, or was it the other one? I don't remember which one it is. Yeah, it's either The Happiest Millionaire or the one and only genuine original family band. Wow. But one of those... Yeah, one of those was the last thing he ever did. And she said in the interview that he was really hands-on. I mean, like, he was hands-on even in terms of, like, costuming and, like, you know, what she was wearing and what she was... You know, like, really, really hands-on. Yeah. So, um... Yes, yeah. but what else jumps out to you? So she, um, what jumped out to me was really interesting. In 1971, she did a TV movie called Cat Blue, and um, there is a film version of Cat Blue with Jane Fonda and Lee Marvin, and it is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's by far in the top five. Um, I, I adore this movie and I guess, I guess they made a TV version huh. <laughs> at some point and she played, she played Jane Fonda's character and I, um, uh, I would really love to track that down. I would really love to track that down. Yeah. Cause actually the Jane, um, the Jane Fonda version came out in 1965 and then they did a TV version just six years later in 1971. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that? Yeah, you know, I I think part of the reason why I love the film so much is that it, um, it you know, it was a B movie. They made it in a couple weeks. Um, it was meant to be a spoof of westerns, and it it was a massive runaway hit. Lee Marvin won an Oscar for it. So, um, um, I'm not surprised that you know it, it ended up. They they tried to make one for TV as as well, because I think it was really popular at the time, but um, I had no idea. Like, looking, doing my research for the interview was when I discovered it. I'm curious to see it. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, when that, when else that's happened lately. I don't know. I mean, I guess nowadays they're adapting so much into television, you know, 
like uh, series you know they've done a lot of that even recently things like lethal weapon you know they tried to turn that well they did turn that into training day they turned that into a tv show you know like um, yeah and i feel like it also goes the opposite way more often now where you know television shows they're making old television shows and films um you know gets gets smart mission impossible baywatch um, you know chips yeah exactly yeah yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, anything else pop out to you of her? Uh... Um, I recently watched, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a 1983 film called A Night in Heaven. She made it, I, I guess, the year after Victor Victoria. And she plays this college professor, and I think she's supposed to, she's supposed to be older. Okay. Um. Leslie Ann Morton is so beautiful that, you know, she's sort of playing the bookish college professor. And it's starring the guy, um, his name is Christopher Atkins. Did you ever see Blue Lagoon with Brooke Shields No, Christopher Atkins? No, I've successfully avoided that movie. Okay, so I, I saw that movie, it was on TV, I think, and... Christopher Atkins shows up in films every once in a while, and he is always half naked. It's like a thing. Like he basically made a career on his ass. <laughs> and this film, this film is really no different. He, he's one of her students, and um, he's failing. And her her marriage is kind of in a bad place. And her husband's just lost his job, and and um, she ends up having an affair with her student. It's really, it's a really interesting film, though, in that it's set, um, it's set in Florida, and her husband works as a, I think, as an engineer for for um, NASA, and so there's this whole backdrop of like space shuttles, and <laughs> it's just a very interesting film. It has a very quirky, weird personality to it. I can't really just, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. Oh, okay. Great. Um, her performance is really, really lovely in it. It's definitely the highlight. It's the highlight of the film. She she basically gives the movie its heart um, because Chris, Christopher Atkins, you know, he just kind of stands there and looks pretty. But um, it, it is it is a weird little film. It's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. She had an. Interest- I don't know how articulate I was about it. No, that's good. It's that's kind of a surprise. Although actually, the ones that I'm kind of drawn to are uh, are those like early '80s ones too, because she did actually right in between. We have this interesting run in between Victor Victoria. Then right after that, she did a TV movie called Portrait. Sometimes it's called Portrait of a Showgirl. Sometimes it's called Portrait of a Stripper. Um, it was with no, those are I think those are two separate movies. Oh really? Wait a second. Is this possible? Yeah. yeah. I believe yeah, you. No, they're two separate movies. Yeah, Portrait of a Stripper is 1979, and then Portrait of a Showgirl is 1982. You're right. And um, I meant to watch Portrait of a Showgirl, because I think it's on Prime. Well, and that one also, that one looks really interesting, too. It has Rita Moreno, it has uh, Tony Curtis, all sorts of really interesting people in that one. Um, That's another made-for-TV movie. Um, So anyway, she does that, then the one you were talking about, and then she does two movies in a row, and actually I did reference one of these movies with her in our interview. Uh, She does two movies in a row with Alan Rudolph, who's a really interesting director, Um, and... 
In fact, she did a third movie with him later on, but she she did one called Choose Me, and then she did another one um, called Songwriter, which uh, featured Willie Nelson and and Chris Christopherson. So, of course, because I'm a songwriter, I couldn't resist asking her about that movie. Um, And then after that, she does Clue and, you know, kind of hits this stratosphere between, you know, Victor Victoria just a couple years earlier and Clue. That's That's a great couple years right there. Oh yeah, yeah, and Clue is so Clue is so wonderful. Yeah, I just rewatched that one in in getting ready. And Did you? Yeah, it's it's fun, and that one holds up too. There's something about that movie that, I mean, I think it's because of the talent involved, but yeah, that movie really does hold yeah. up. It doesn't seem like, uh, you know, dated in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's a classic. And then you know, she's just what's I think what's amazing about her is um, she just. She just keeps working, right? You know, and she keeps doing really varied stuff. I, I think she's smart about it. She did a film in 1991 called Life Things with Mel Brooks, and that's actually one of the films that sticks out in my in my <clears throat> waking memory of her. I, I I knew her as Cinderella and from Victor Victoria, and Clue wasn't on my radar until later. I didn't see that when I was super young, and I remember going to see Life Things in the movie theater. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was so funny, and I haven't revisited it, and obviously it was 1991, so I was nine years old, but I I mean, even my parents still talk about that film, because it was just charming and funny, and um, yeah. Yeah, that movie, so that's a Mel Brooks movie, um, and that's a really interesting movie in Mel Brooks's uh, filmography, because it has a different tone. It's very funny, but it's also serious in a lot of points too you know it's it's almost it's almost a similar plot in a way to trading places that eddie murphy dan Aykroyd movie because it's about like yeah. a, a guy betting betting another guy you know like two businessmen uh betting each other that he can live as a homeless person basically and it turns out to be you know not what he intended, basically, and so there's some there's some real genuine moments in that movie too. And for for Mel Brooks, it it was it had a more serious tone than a lot of his like slapstick yeah. movies. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, um, I I want to revisit it. I want to revisit it. It's been a while since I've seen it, but um, yeah, I do too. Yeah, it had it had real heart. And you know, most of her work does. I think that's. I think that's what's so interesting about her is. Um, I think wherever she goes, whatever she does, um, there is um, just just real. Oh, the only way I know how to put it is there's just real. There's real heart in her work. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm looking at. I'm looking. Yeah, me too. I mean, she's in so much. um, I love that she had an uncredited turn in teaching Mrs. Dingle. Right. Yeah, it's been a long time since I saw that one, too. Um, The Limey is another one that I would give a recommendation to. That's one that um, it's not gotten a lot of attention over the, you know, years. But um, at the time, I think, was relatively well-received. It's really an interesting movie, for sure. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. I watched... Uh, I, I Oh, Secretary. We should talk about Secretary, too, because that's another... Yes. 
that's another pretty big one. I adore that film. It's so it's so bizarre and just truly funny, but in the darkest way. And her again, her performance as it would have been so easy. So the secretary first Maggie Gyllenhaal and Jade Bader and Maggie Maggie Gyllenhaal has just been released from a. I guess it's a, a, a mental facility for for self harming, and she, you know she kind of helps her get a job, and she gets a job at James Spader's law office, and um, it, it's about two odd souls who find each other for sure. But Leslie and Warren's turn as her mother, it could have easily been caricatured or two dimensional, and um, it's it's so tender. I and mean, she's you know as a mother, she's not always on the money and obviously doesn't understand her daughter very well, but she clearly cares for her so much. Right. Right. Great. There's a wonderful scene in the kitchen where Maggie Gyllenhaal tells her that she can take all the locks off the the kitchen drawers because she's not going to go after the knives and, and Leslie Ann Warren just has this moment (laughs) where you know, she connects with her daughter and is just so so relieved and it's really sweet. Yeah. Great performance. That movie was really um see now again I feel like we talk we spend a lot of time talking about like how independent movies have really changed the landscape of of like the current I don't know. I feel like we talk about this a lot where like a lot of the movies that are being made today are not necessarily like it seems like there's two different kinds of movies being made. There are these big action you know comic book superhero movies that are intended to like Mm -hmm. get giant audiences and then there are these smaller movies sometimes that don't even come out to the theater anymore but that's not even a thing anymore like that used to be a sign of like this is a bad movie and now that's not at all what that means it's just that there's different ways of seeing stuff now and um so secretary came along at a point that uh, those movies weren't being made, uh, you know, by and large. There were every once in a while you'd get a movie like secretary, but not very often. And it was really um, a groundbreaking movie. And I don't like that term because I think that it's overused, but I think it really was. Yeah. I think it's a movie that kind of changed things uh, for, yeah. yeah. And we're still kind of on the path that it helped forge it wasn't the only one and it probably wasn't even the first one that you know kind of started it down that route but i think it had a part in that um well and it's so strong and it's so distinctive i think it i think it takes that that place of it it's sort of representative of all of those films being made at that time but it just it made a large impact i mean i i can remember I mean, we were in college at the time, and, I mean, it was hugely popular. Right. Yeah, it's a great movie, great performance. She's just, she's really been so good in everything. You know, I know we're kind of hitting the same point, but she's just reliable. She's somebody who, you know, everybody knows who Leslie Ann Warren is. She's just one of those people who has been around for a long time, and the reason that she's been able to, like, survive in a really cutthroat business um, it's because she's been really reliably good. You know, I mean, she really has. She's been able to sustain her craft for, for a long enough period of time that she's being recognized for it at this point and just having, you know, managed to be consistent over 40 years, 50 years is an amazing accomplishment if you think about it. Yeah, and, and you know, she, she studied with Lee Strasberg at the Actors Studio uh, in New York sort of at the beginning of her career and 
and you know with her stage work there's just something there's something about actors strings in theater I mean they truly are working actors and they um, often have that that consistency and longevity uh, that she has um, she's amazing she's yeah. amazing and she's and you'll hear in their interview she's 71 and she is dancing on tour in a show with so you think you can dance and dancing with the stars dancer i mean the woman's incredible yeah i wanted to ask her i wanted to ask her more about her dancing and her singing actually because you know it's mm-hmm. she's obviously known for it and because of movies like cinderella and victor victoria but i was curious to you know know how much she maintains her um you know, singing and dancing and how much she's she's doing. Uh, on her, like, you know, if you look her up on Wikipedia, it doesn't just say, you know, Leslie Ann Warren is an actress. It says Leslie Ann Warren is a singer, dancer, actress. You know, she's she's very well known yeah. for all of these things. Yeah. Well, and I did I did ask her a little bit about her, her dancing because, you know, when we found out she was on tour, holy moly, do you, you know, have you kept it up all these years? And I, I kind of got the impression that she had, um, she had it, you know. I mean, so much of it is ingrained when you, when you train that hard for so long when you're young, but that she has been very careful to, you know, condition herself and get back into dancing shape yeah. uh, in a way that she won't hurt herself. But, yeah, I mean... Yeah, she's incredible. Yeah. Well, next time I go to... I would love to see the show. I dug around for it, and it's mostly over. I think there's two more. There's two more shows, one in Florida and one in, I think, uh, somewhere in New York. Oh. Well, that's a bummer, but, you know, sometimes those things you know it's maybe the end of the first run and maybe they'll go out and do it again or something but there's always something else yeah. you know she, she'll she do something else for sure um, next time I go to LA I'm going to see if she'll do a song with me for the Song a Day project because you know that'd be amazing yeah we'll, we'll see what she says to that but it was so much fun to talk to her I'm so glad we had the opportunity um yeah, it, she's she's great, and she was really generous with her time. Really generous with her. Um, I felt like she was really open in a way, and and maybe it's just because um, you know she's again she's been around for long enough that like she just is comfortable talking about things and how her career has taken her and her perspective on it. But um, yeah, I think she's somebody who should be who should be uh, viewed as one of our you know like one of our great performers. Yes. I mean, I think about, I, I was giving this some thought, you know, we're, we're running through Mel Streep's filmography, and I kind of stopped to think, what would what would a film like It's Complicated look like with Leslie Ann Warren rather than Meryl Streep? Right. And, um, you know, obviously Meryl's fantastic in that film. And then I think about what Leslie Ann Warren would have done with it, and it would have been equally as fantastic. And um, I, I said um so much in this episode. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> gathering, gathering my thoughts. I would just really like to see actresses like Leslie Ann Warren get more opportunities um, because they are talented enough and obviously iconic enough and capable enough. And we just need, we, we all need to work on that. Yeah, I agree. And at the risk of, um, I'm probably overcompensating at this point by trying to like 
uh, correct myself too much, but the, I'm going to leave that moment in where I where I say you know something about why well, I think things are getting better because we were on that at that point in the interview we were talking about you know what we've been talking about here for a minute about the idea of actresses of a certain age. I don't like that term, but you know what I mean. Actors of a, actresses yeah. of a yeah. certain age uh, kind of competing for the same scripts, and they're just not being enough interesting material for everybody. And I kind of offhandedly said, well, I think things are getting better. And I don't want that to seem like it's a bunch of mansplaining. Like, I know I'm not the one in that position. And I understand that that she would know better than I would. And actually, looking back on it, it's not even necessarily a statement that I agree with having ha- made. It's just something I said in the moment. And um, it, yeah. what I what I meant by it was more, I feel like there's more interesting material being made overall uh, because we have these other avenues yeah. through Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime. There's just an HBO, for God's sake, and Showtime. I mean, there's just really interesting stuff. And when you... And I think, I think she agreed with you. Yeah. I mean, I got the sense that she... Yeah, I mean, the material is better. It's just not getting to everybody. Right. And I totally agree with her on that. So I don't mean to say... It's not... It wasn't an argumentative thing. We weren't... It, we weren't disagreeing about anything. It was just the idea that... I I kind of wanted to explain what my line of th- thought was and it's so funny it's so funny you're saying any of this back because it didn't even register oh well like, it I, was just sort of a natural flow of, flow of conversation like it didn't even like it didn't even give me a hiccup Okay. Well, and I don't, again, I'm probably over explaining it now. That's just one of my pet peeves is when somebody, you know, like a a guy in his thirties tries to tell, you know, a female actress that no, it's getting better. It's not that at all. Right. And that's not what I was trying to say. So just in, in, on the off chance that that's what it seemed like. More as you being inquisitive. Okay. Well, good. Um, You being inquisitive about it. Like, I feel like this is getting better. Would you agree? Kind of thing. Yeah. And then, you know, she, she gave her opinion on, yeah. Well, good. Um, so I didn't explaining. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get even a whiff of it. Well, I that, don't think you're capable of it, Zach. Well, I try to <laughs> I try to be thoughtful about it because that's again that's a pet peeve of mine, and that's just something that I understand and acknowledge that I'm the last person who should be talking about that. So that's not something I'm interested <laughs> in doing. Um, so it is what it is. I think we can maybe roll the interview at this point. What do you think? Okay. I think so. So thank you, Leslie M. Warren, so much for this. Um, we're going to let this interview yes. take us out. And uh, next time we're going to be back with the Homesmen. We really are going to do an episode on the Homesmen. <laughs> um, yes, it's going to happen, I swear. It, this is like three episodes in a row now that we've been saying, it'll be the next one, it'll be the next one. But it really will be the next one. Um, so we're looking forward to it. And uh, we're hoping that we can be a little bit more consistent coming forward. Uh, this is the end of summertime, which we knew for both of us was going to be a busy time. We're hoping that this fall we'll be yeah. able to get back to doing episodes every week or at the very at the very least every other week. We know we've been a little bit sporadic, so we appreciate everybody's patience. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, uh, Meryl Street Podcast at gmail.com is a great way to get in touch. Uh, I always send those emails on to Meryl yep. too so she's reading them and uh, yes and thank you so much to our listeners who have reviewed us on on iTunes and are listening every week and enjoying the show and um, <clears throat> we had one review who asked me if my real name was actually Meryl it is in fact Meryl oh really 
I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, he was like, but is your name really Meryl? I'm like, yes, yes it is. Wow. Well... <laughs> Uh, yes, I always knew your name was Meryl. That's how we met. So I, but it, it's funny that somebody would ask that. Yeah, it would be interesting to know where our listeners are too. So you know, if you send us an email, just yeah. let us know where where you're writing from, because um, we like the idea of maybe at some point doing a live show somewhere, and uh, would love to know <laughs> where our listeners are. So that would be fun. Yeah, that absolutely. would be helpful. So, uh, uh, cool. We're gonna we're gonna roll the interview now, and we'll talk to everybody next time. Hi, this is Leslie Ann. Hi, Leslie Ann. This is Zach Johnson. How are Hi, you? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. Um, I sure. I have my co-host of the podcast here on the other line. I think I'm going to see if I can merge these calls. Meryl, are you there? I am. Okay, Meryl, meet Leslie Ann Warren. Leslie Ann Warren, meet my co-host, Meryl McNally. <laughs> Hi, Leslie. Hello. How are you? Hi. I'm good. Thank good. you. Thank you. Well, Thank you so much for talking to us today. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So the show that we do, we do a podcast that's called uh, Meryl Streep in the Movies. We, Meryl and I, see, there's two Meryl, so it's always confusing to talk about. But my friend Meryl, <laughs> we met when we were in college. Yeah. And because her name is Meryl, we bonded over the actress Meryl Streep. And so we've been doing this project where we've been going through Meryl Streep's movies and, you know, one at a time and then talking about them. And uh, every once in a while, we've been doing episodes where we focus on somebody's entire filmography in one episode. And so the episode that we're doing right now is on Diane Keaton, who you worked with in the 70s on a really interesting movie. Well, Harry, it was Harry and Walter Gunning. And we both watched the movie, and we both enjoyed it very much. What was your experience like on that movie? Oh, I had a great, great time on that movie. Um, first of all, it was so much fun to play such a sort of heightened character, you know, um, and I love doing period films. Um, and then to be able to do a, a, a bad opera singer or, a, you know, a mediocre opera singer right. was, was, you know, just so much fun and so creative. And I was working at, Joe Layton did the uh, musical sequences, and I'd worked with him twice before. I, I did two Broadway shows with him. Um, he was the director choreographer of the Broadway shows and in this he directed the musical sequences so it was like you know old home week for me to be working with Joe and those actors were you know sensational yeah I know Mark I also knew Mark Rydell from the actor's studio and so it was really just a an amazing cast an amazing um creative and challenging experience but yeah, it's it it worked too. I mean, it's a really well put together movie. It really works. It's a fun movie. Um, as somebody who is a really good singer and a really good dancer, is it hard to play a role in which you're kind of not? Um, it your audience sees you, and and a percentage of them who don't know maybe that you are a great singer might think that that's you singing up there, like you know you you doing your best. Is that hard yeah. to justify yeah, or? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I'd done so much prior to doing that. You know, I'd done a couple of Broadway shows and I, um, had done Cinderella and right. I, you know, there were so many projects that I had done where I was actually singing in my real voice. 
that it was really fun for me. It was really fun to play this sort of delusional, slightly narcissistic, you know, um, uh, opera singer who, who thinks that she's really delivering, but, you know, obviously is, is, is not. Um, I loved it. I mean, I, I actually enjoyed doing it. Good. Uh, what is it? What is it like to do a farce like that on film rather than on stage, where you're doing take after take? What was it? Was it more challenging? You know, um, it was. It, in, in many ways, it gives you more options to be um, more experimental. You know, to, to try things that you may not have the luxury of trying when you're doing a play or a musical on stage. Um, things are usually set, and even though you grow with each performance, you you stay within the, the, the structure of what has been established. With right. film and comedy, you know, uh, especially farcical comedy like like this was or heightened comedy, you really you know you get with each take you can you can really go farther and try things that you you know that you make knowing that they'll either use it or they won't. So it's not like it's in stone. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. And it seems like everybody was having so much fun. Oh, my God. I think that's really true. <laughs> I think it's true. <laughs> I mean, we were, we were having a complete ball. Um, so it made it great for us, maybe more difficult for Mark Liddell, who was trying to, you know, herd cats. You know, it was just, you know, we were so enjoying each other's work, um, and it was—it had that sort of, you know, that that almost—I don't know—I don't want to say slapstick because it wasn't slapstick, but that kind of um, old-fashioned sort of, you know, uh, uh, tempo and rhythm, and you know, comedically, and it was—I um, just loved doing it. It was great. And it was really a cast. I mean, you all were coming along at like everybody was break, you know, had kind of just broken out within the years leading up to it. I mean, that must have been some serious star power on the set at that time. Did you all kind of have a sense of this is going to be a really big movie because with this many amazing people involved, it can't miss? No, you know, I know, I think that when you when you gather to, to make a film, you never have those thoughts. You never, um, you are excited to be in the company of people that you admire and respect, and you're excited to work with them if you haven't worked with them before. Um, and Michael Caine, I think, was, you know, the most legendary on the set. So for me, it was just thrilling to be able to be his, his girlfriend. Right. Um, you know, but, but you don't, you're, everybody's doing their work. You know, everybody's really doing their work, and you're not really thinking, oh, this is going to be all that. You never know with movies. You never know. Sure. At the time, did it feel like a script that was stronger than other movies that you were uh, coming across at that time? I mean, was there something about the script? Actually, let me phrase that a different way. When you got the script, was that what attracted you to this movie, or was it a was it Mark Rydell's direction? Was it the fact that you were going to get to work with Michael Caine, or was it some sort of mix of all three of those? It was really a mix of everything. It was a mix of, um, I mean, the script was really funny and fun. Um, the role was great, you know, I, I knew that I would be able to 
have a really um, wonderful time creating her and in the space of her, you know, world. Uh, getting to work with Michael Caine and getting to work with all, all of the actors. I mean, you know, uh, Diane, of course, and, and um, Elliot and Jimmy, Elliot Gould and Jimmy Kahn and, you know, Carol Caine. Just knowing that all those people would be on the set probably at the same time at one point or another was a, a thrill. And then I loved Mark. I loved Mark's work and I, I, I was, you know, completely excited to be a part of it. Um, since this is a you know tribute to Diane Keaton episode, have you have you run into Diane in the in the years since that movie was made? Have you kept in touch at all? You know, not so much. We kept in touch a, a kind of right after, and maybe for a few movies down the road. You know, when she would come out with something, I would contact her and tell her you know how much I loved whatever she did because I certainly did, um, and we we'd have a conversation back and forth, you know. But then after time, you know, that's just the way. You, you, yeah. you, that's the sad part about what, what I do, you know. It, it, you, you make these very um, important and intense connections when you're working. And you would love to keep them up. And sometimes you get to do that. But a lot of times, most of the time, everybody gets kind of caught up in their own world and, and they, you know, they, they move on. And, I mean, I guess that's true in theater. Even though shows are a little longer running, they tend to be, I mean, they're finite just as much as a film is. Yeah, I think it's different in that you are together eight shows a week for minimum six months, sometimes a year, sometimes more. So, that, that, and that sort of familial experience is um, because of the extended period of time that you're together, I think might be ultimately more uh, uh, connected in the end. You know, whereas movies, you're together maybe for three months, maybe most of the time less. It's very intense, um, and then it's over, you know. So right. it, it, it doesn't have that lasting, enduring sort of, quality to it. I'm going to ask one of those questions that most people don't like to answer, and it's okay if you don't too, but do you have a preference between film and theater? Is there one that no, you prefer? I don't. No, I don't. Mean, I, I, I really don't. I mean, people, uh, because I've done every theater, film, and television, and have been lucky enough to do it all, um, you know, people do ask that, but the truth is, I don't. And I think what I love about my particular career is that I've gotten to do everything, all of those um, uh, genres or venues, and um, and I get to continue to do that. I did a play at the Mark Taper, uh, not at the Mark Taper, at the Geffen, about four years ago, and then I, I've just done a movie, and then I did a television show, and then I've been touring with this this show, not, not, not constantly, but periodically, that's all dancing and singing, which is where I started, and I love it. And so I'm so you know, grateful to have the opportunity to go from one aspect of what I do to another. Yeah, that's great. Can you tell us more about that show? Is there a place that people can find, yeah. you know, where you'll be playing? Yeah. Yes, it's called Dance to the Movies. And it's uh, some dancers from Dancing with the Stars and So You Think You Can Dance. And several singers from American Idol. And it's an it's 
an honoring or a celebration of movie musicals and me. Interesting. <laughs> and I don't mean how wonderful that's part of it. <laughs> so we've been playing in all these performing arts centers around the country, and uh, you know, Tony Kirk. Tony Daniel will come in before us, and Bernadette Peters is coming in after us. It's very—it's a world I've never been in, but it's—it's it's been so much fun. And the last theater we played was in Ontario, Canada, and it was it was to four thousand people. Oh wow! So it was wow. It's been, and sometimes it's really nine hundred people, depending on the size of the performing arts center. But it's really fun, and it's. Um, I just, I've always loved being around dancers. I started as a dancer, and uh, being around their passion and their commitment and their fierce love of what they do is so exhilarating, and, and it feeds me on so many levels. Um, have you kept up your dance over the years? I know you're doing this show, but had you spent some time away from it before you came back to it, or have you sort of kept it up all along? No, I don't keep up dancing per se, but I... I did a show in New York about ten and a half years ago. It was called Dream on Broadway, and it was all dancing and singing again. It was all Johnny Mercer's music from the twenties to the sixties. And I, Fun. what I did to prepare for it was, um, you know, I vocalized every day, and I did stretching every day, and I did cardio, and that's what I'm. That's what I've been doing for this, and it and it keeps me in good stead. I haven't hurt myself. Knock on wood. So, um, you know, but I think when you've been a dancer and you go to a dance class, you're so innately remembering what you're supposed to look like that you end up pushing yourself and hurting yourself. So I, right. this is how I, yeah, this is how I prepare. Interesting. So dan- uh, dance was really your first love in a lot of ways, right? I mean, do you think of yourself... Yeah. We can always think of ourselves as more than one thing, but if do you think of yourself as having a primary discipline between dancing, singing, and acting? Yeah, I would say that all of my discipline came from my years of ballet training. Interesting. Okay. That it gave me, yeah, it gave me a kind of focus and ability to concentrate, and um, you know, a kind of courage and. Um, and an and identification with my body that I use in different characters that, you know, the discipline of ballet is like unlike anything except maybe Olympic gymnast, you know? So oh, yeah. it showed me an enormously great set. How do you how do you feel about shows? Is it gratifying to see dance kind of take some significant mass appeal with shows like So You Think You Can Dance and Dancing with the Stars? Um, or is that something? So I'm a singer songwriter, and I I'll be honest, I don't watch any of those American Idol or The Voice shows. There's something about it that's I don't know why necessarily that I don't watch it. But do you feel any of that towards those dance shows, or does it gratify I, you? I don't. I don't watch any dance shows except for So You Think You Can Dance because the dancers are spectacular. Okay. They're, they're spectacular and it's exciting and it's, uh, they're trained and they're, you know, they're brilliant young dancers. And it's, it's, I don't like the competition part because I think sometimes, you know, who knows why things go the way they go, God knows. <laughs> but, um, I love watching the dancers perform and, and, and have the challenge of new choreography and new choreographers and 
So, yeah, I love those, that show in particular. That's the only one I watch. But when I go to, I go to a lot of ballets and I go to dance concerts with my husband and I am so thrilled every time I see that it's completely packed at the Dorothy Chandler or, you know, wherever I go. But it's completely packed and that, you know, if you bring excellence to people, they will come. Yeah. Would you ever consider doing one of those shows? One of, no. Like, so you think you can dance or Dancing with the Stars, any of those? Well, so you think you can dance, they only have young, the, the cutoff date is 30, they only have young dancers who oh, okay. are, you know, who are at the brink of their career, let's say. Okay. Um, I'm not interested in Dancing with the Stars, I don't watch it, I would never go on it because, first of all, the idea of standing in front of millions of people in television world and being <laughs> criticized judged is like not for me yep so it's not it's really quite terrifying isn't it oh yeah it's terrifying and humiliating so no thank you yeah that's why that's why i don't watch any of those shows you articulated it better than i did with this singing thing i feel exactly the same way it's subjective you know what's beautiful to one person is not necessarily to another and it's it's not really fair in in my opinion to do that to people but um yeah. Okay. So I wanted to ask another question. I always like to ask this in interviews. Um, this is another question that you probably have gotten some variation on over the years. But for somebody who has over a hundred credits on IMDb, when you look back on the stuff that you've done, is there anything that you've done that you thought was worthy of a bigger audience than it received? Is there something that is kind of a, a hidden gem in your filmography that you would encourage people to check out if they haven't? Yeah, there's a movie, I mean, there's some, you know, there are many, I'm sure, but there's a movie that jumped out that was called Worth Winning. Okay. And it was Ben Affleck's, it was ben Affleck's first movie. I'm Jeremy Davies, Davis, Davis, Jeremy Davis. Davies. I can't remember, but Jeremy Davis is in it, and he's wonderful. Rachel Wise is in it before she sort of took off and became a big star. Um, Rose McGowan. Uh, it's just got Jill Clayburg. It's got an incredible cast, oh. and I don't feel like it was publicized properly, and uh, I'm so proud of that movie, and it's so wonderful. Mark Pellington, it was his first film. And I feel like, you know, that that should have gotten a much bigger opportunity. You okay. Know? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Wait a minute. What did um, I say the title was? Wait a second. What did I tell you the title was? Worth winning. Worth winning. Which is I'm wrong. That's oh. another. That's another movie. Forget it. That's with Mark <laughs> Mark Harmon and Madeline Stowe. Yeah. That forget that one altogether. This was called I'm um, Going All the Way. Okay. I was gonna say I'm looking at yeah. the I'm looking at the other one and, and oh, the great yeah, yeah, yeah. the great Andrea Martin's in that no, in uh, worth winning too. Yeah, so that, no, no, that was a fun movie, but it it didn't necessarily deserve a bigger audience, but this one did. Okay, it's going all the way. Cool. I wanted to ask. Okay, so I, as I mentioned, I'm a I'm a singer songwriter, so I have to ask about a movie you did called Songwriter with Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson. Right. right. Well, that's another movie that I think should have gotten a wider audience. They sort of tunneled it into the south, the south and west, and they, and I really, people who have seen it, um, you know, loved it, and I wish that it had gotten a wider sort of release. Um, it was, it was incredible, because I am a New York girl, uh, I was born in Manhattan, grew up there, and I had to play 
a country western singer right on the verge of stardom with Willie Nelson being my manager was two of the greatest, you know, country western stars ever. Right. Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson. It was absolutely terrifying. I was terrified when I had Oh, I can't imagine. I was terrified. I was just terrified. And I don't drink. I just don't. But this director gave me like a shot of, I don't know, something, champagne or something. Because I was was paralyzed with fear. But it all worked out really well. And I'm really proud of that movie, too. And I wish that it had gotten more of an audience. Well, and the director of that, Alan Rudolph, you work with a few times, but he's more of a, um, he's kind of out of the Altman tradition of his movies aren't necessarily in kind of intended all the time, I think, for large mass appeal. His are, That's he's, true. he's got a specific audience, you know. Um, That's absolutely true. Switching gears a little bit, you know, I know I know you got your start on Broadway. You kind of became a, you obviously became a household name with the televised Cinderella um, and then contracted with Disney after that. What was that experience like once you were uh, sort of a household name and, and, and present? You know, I, I don't think, I think I was too young to take it in. I was so uh, hell-bent on being the best that I could be, and was such a, you know, such a, I, I, I always strive so much for not just giving everything I had, but achieving everything that was in my mind about, let's say, whatever part or role or piece that I was doing, that I didn't necessarily take in the, the glory of, what it was that I was able to accomplish. And, you know, so I was this very, very serious, you know, little young artist that, that just was so uh, dedicated to um, illuminating whatever I could with whatever I was given the opportunity to do. Did did the focus on on accomplishing what you set out to accomplish kind of kind of help you through that transition? Um, you know, with with working with Disney and fame and and all of that. In some ways, did it help you? You know, I I never felt famous. You know, I, at that time, I felt I I just um, it's hard to to articulate, but it's I felt. I just was so driven to yeah. be the best that I could be that I it was just the next day getting up and going to the set and just with every cell in my being trying to do that. So I never felt, even at my own premiere for, Disney, for The Happiest Millionaire, which was a gigantic affair. They took over Hollywood Boulevard and... and you know, Fred Astaire was there and all these luminaries and Wow. You know, Fred yeah, Fred Astaire said that to Army Archer that I was the best young dancer in Hollywood and <laughs> wow. you know, I, I I never fully in, was able to take in of course now I do. <laughs> and now I right. look back and you know, and think, Oh God, Wesley, you know <laughs> but I was just I was too um you know, I 
had my head down. I just kept working, working, working so hard. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's just who I was. That's just how I was, you know? Yeah, and I'm... I, I think I think that's probably common as well. Um, I think when you uh, start that young, it is. You know, when right. you're older, you have more. You know, you have the maturity of knowing what's important, and 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 you know how to take a breath and let yourself be acknowledged and all of that. But when you're really young and you start as young as I did, and you know, when I started at six in ballet, you know, it's like. I was just, um, you do, you, actually, I've actually talked to a girlfriend of mine who was the original star of True Grit with James, uh, with uh, John Wayne. Oh, okay. Yes. Kim Darby. Yeah, she, yes. she and I, we've remained friends, and we're, we started together, and we, you know, and we had our babies, Bainier, and all of that, and, and, you know, we talk about how when you start that young, and you do have to have stardom that young, you are not able to mature emotionally in the way that uh, people who are not inundated with that kind of extreme acknowledgement uh, and expectation. You don't mature until much later, and um, you miss out on a lot of the good parts, you know? It's got, I mean, it's got to be so intense for somebody that young to have that much, not just attention, but, but, but pressure to succeed, I imagine, yes? Yeah, yeah, that's the big, excuse me, that's the big aspect that people don't admit, or maybe they do realize, you know, the Judy Garland sort of story, but the expectation that it's on you when you're starring in something at that age you feel it. You feel the enormous responsibility of having to pull this thing off. And, you know, you're, you're young. You're young. You're not formed yet. And so, you know, that's why a lot of actors who start that young go off the rails because it, it's, uh, it's a tricky, you know, it's a tricky tightrope to walk. I wanted yeah. to, one of the things that I'm kind of, dying to know because again you are somebody who has really over the years worked with pretty much everybody and i i know this is not meant to be an exclusive list i know some sometimes people don't like to answer this question because they don't want to feel like they're leaving anybody out but is there anybody either on the performing side or the directing side or the writing side um that you haven't worked with in your career that you would be particularly excited to work with Oh my God, so many. <laughs> I know I've worked with so many brilliant people and so many legendary people, and I am just so, you know, utterly, utterly grateful for that, you know, that that's been my life. But there are many, many people that I'm dying to work with, you know, on all in all areas, directing, acting, you know, it, it, there are too many to really itemize. Okay, fair enough. You know? I know it's hard. It's yeah. it's hard to know where where to begin rather than, yeah, I, I get that. Um, I just ran into Miguel Orteza the other night. Oh, okay. Who, I don't know if you're familiar with but I would love to work with him. You know, uh, the man that just directed, um, uh, um, oh, I just saw it the other night, uh, about the young patty cake. 
Oh, yeah. I, I, I love that movie, and I would love to work with it. You know, there are so many, many, many young, younger, you know, talented, fabulously talented people that I would love to work with. Yeah. Well, we host a Meryl Streep podcast. What about Meryl Streep? Oh, of course. Are you kidding? I doubted Meryl Streep. She's, she's, she's the one. She's the, I have had the opportunity to have a few uh, instances where our paths have crossed, and, you know, I, I've still gotten to tell her what a, what a brilliant, brilliant actress she is, and yeah. how much I admire her. So, yes, of course. <laughs> I was I was listening to your interview on the Ileana Douglas podcast, which I think is called I Blame oh, Dennis yeah. Hopper. And you guys were, actually, it was Ileana, it wasn't you, but were, was talking about the idea of, you know, uh, women above the age of, you know, 40 in Hollywood not being given the same opportunities. And Ileana said, you know, somebody should just run Susan Sarandon over at this point so that somebody else gets a shot. But do you find that the uh, kinds of offers that are coming your way are interesting to you at this point? Do you feel like it's um, it's getting better over the last maybe 10 years? It feels like it's maybe getting better, but I don't know if that's true or not. From your perspective, what do you think? No, no, no. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. I mean, I'm still very grateful and very lucky that I do get, like this movie I just finished, that I do get some things that are that, that come my way that are that are wonderful to work on and challenging and creative and exciting but for the most part not so much I okay. mean there's there's a smaller group there's a smaller world for women my age or around my age and there's a very small group of women that continually get those roles so that's the truth and there are many many actresses in my age range that are wonderful um, that's very hard very hard and you know I think because as you get older as a woman they don't for the most part they are not writing rules for you know complex complicated women that are older and if they do they do go to a small handful of women it seems to be improving in um, in, in the television arena Quite a bit for, for, for women. Are you um, are you looking at television projects as well? Yes, I just finished. Um, I think I mentioned I just finished an episode on the television show, but it was very dramatic and very emotional and wonderfully, you know, wonderful. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 looking, and I get excited by some things. Um, and as I said, there's so many wonderful actresses in this age range and not an exorbitant amount of roles, so it's tricky, you know, it's difficult. But I have been so lucky that I continue to get, you know, that gem and, you know, that sort of continues and, and I'm very, you know, I'm really grateful for that. It's also your ability to consistently, you know, um, make the make the material work too. You know, I mean, sometimes when you're working as as um, kind of varied projects as you are, the consistency that you're able to bring to those roles helps an awful lot too, and continually kind of bringing you more work. Well, thank thank you, and um, you know, I I I I I believe that too. 
and I and I am um, and I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Yeah, and in that vein, your your filmography is so wonderfully varied um, com- compared to some actresses. And um, is that is that a goal of yours when you pick projects? Is, I'm, I'm sure you enjoy and are more fulfilled as an actress to have have varied roles. Um, but does that go into your selection process when you're looking at a project? What you did before? You know, it does. In, except it doesn't. It doesn't in terms of oh, I have a plan. But I. The reason that I became an actress <laughs> was to uh, embody many different kinds of women and in many different situations and try to illuminate their human condition and whatever it is they're going through, even if it's comedic, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I found that, you know, starting very young, when I was on Broadway, I was doing, my first show was called 110 in the Shade. And I played in town sort of flirt. And at the same time, in the middle of the, the sort of run, I went to do Cinderella, who was the most, you know, the quintessential, you know, fairy tale character um, who is sweet and sad and forlorn and but a, but a sort of survivor. So it was very different right from the jump, you know. And... I love that. I love going, you know, after I did Victor Victoria, or I think it was after Victor Victoria, I did, or maybe it was before I did Choose Me, which was, right. what the, you know, my first Alan Rudolph film, which was, yeah. you know, extremely intense and very, you know, moody and film noir-ish, you know, and, and, and just so, uh, so unique. Yeah, really and cool. Victor Victoria was, you know, such a huge, Blake Edwards, you know, studio movie with a tremendous comic role for me, you know, so I've really always done that, and I love it, you know, I love being able to, you know, go from Will and Grace to doing something highly dramatic and intense, it's it's the reason I love acting. Some people like being, you know, being typecast in a way that makes them feel comfortable and they enjoy doing what they do really well and doing it, you know, that's, that's the nature of their career. But that's not, I guess I've always felt of myself, even though I didn't put words on it, that I was really a character actress no matter what. You know, that's how I sort of, I like disappearing into characters. Well, that's awesome. And everything from Victor Victoria to the Muppets, you know, or the Muppet show. I mean, it's (laughs) everything in between. My friend, my friend David was going to pay me money to at least mention the Muppet show to you because that's. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love the Muppet show. I had a great time. I had a great time. Good. Good. Well, I. I can't thank you enough for doing this. We really appreciate it. I don't want to take yeah. advantage of your time. I really appreciate you being willing to do this. Leslie, can I ask you one final question? Um, yes, and I'm happy right I, here. So, yeah. Go ahead. Sure. I, I run a theater company in New Mexico, and we are doing Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella um, in, next yeah. summer. Any, any words of advice for our Cinderella, whoever she may be? You know what? I believed it. When I was 18 years old, I treated Cinderella as a real person, and I and I believed her her life. I believed the relationship she had with her stepmother and um, you know 
years and the yearning inside of her for something different, I made her very, very real. And I think that's why it has resonated really as a classic piece for so many years and with so many generations. Um, so that's what I would suggest. Thank you so, so much. You're iconic. We you're appreciate welcome. you so much taking time to speak with us today. Yeah, thank oh, you so you're much. Welcome. You're welcome. We look All right, you guys. Thanks. We look forward to seeing you in so many more things. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Have a good rest of your day. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. You thank too. Thank you. You too. Bye. 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 That's all.